Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Cornerstone Family Violence Prevention Center is about to expand its services once again as it rises to the challenge of meeting the needs of women and children who face abuse. It received $200,000 from the Ontario government to provide two programs. The first program provides more counseling to women who face abuse. The second is an enhanced children's program for kids who witness abuse. This means women and children who have experienced trauma will get the psychotherapeutic counseling they need from Cornerstone. It also means that women can come to one place to receive a range of services to fit their needs and the needs of their children from a temporary shelter to counseling to therapy. Executive Director Nancy Johnson will explain. I'm so pleased to have with me today Nancy Johnson, the Executive Director of Cornerstone. Welcome to Consider This. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. There was a press release from the Ontario government about women and children getting adequate support, and Cornerstone has been selected to administer the Violence Against Women Clinical Counseling and Enhanced Child Witness Programming. Can you please describe what those two programs entail? Sure. Uh, Child Witness Programming is uh, funding that we've had here at Cornerstone for probably close to 20 years. So it's working with uh, children who have witnessed violence in their homes and their caregivers. So we, yeah, we've done that for a number of years. So these funds are just adding and enhancing those dollars in that program that we've, that we've been administering for some time. Uh, we provide individual as well as group, um, group counseling for, for families. Obviously with the pandemic, groups look, look very different. Um, and for some people, they don't want to do a group modality and they would prefer individual counseling. So that's the child witness program. The clinical counseling is something uh, new to Cornerstone. We have always provided community counseling uh, to women and uh, children impacted by, by family violence, but we've never been able to offer clinical counseling. So we applied for the clinical counseling funds through the ministry and we were, we were successful in receiving those. So what it's allowed us to do, Rob, is we've really revisioned our community counseling program. Um, we have as many service agencies across the county and across Canada, uh, we're seeing a real upsurge in terms of need uh, for counseling for housing, for shelter. So all of our service demands are, are only increasing and I, I anticipate that that, will, that that will continue. So the clinical counseling will allow us to provide uh, longer term therapeutic counseling to women and children impacted by family violence. So we're very excited about that. There was a bit of a delay uh, when we heard that we were receiving the funding, um, but we were happy to finally receive the allocation and we've just posted for a clinical therapist 
and an intake and brief services counseling uh, service. So we're going to have almost a three-tiered approach within our community counseling. So we'll have an intake and brief services counselor. So that will be as it, as it sounds. So people who are interested in counseling, they first see that person can be seen right away. So there's not a wait list. Uh, they can provide sort of three to six sessions in terms of just stabilization, risk assessment, safety planning, all those really important things up front. And then we'll have a clinical counselor who will provide sort of mid-level mid mid service. And then we'll have a clinical therapist uh, who's, who's registered and, and is a therapist to provide longer-term um, gender-based violence counseling. So that also includes sexual abuse, uh, sexual violence. Uh, so yeah, we're really excited. Something we weren't ever able to do because we didn't receive the funding to do it. So now we can, and it only expands our sort of menu of services here at Cornerstone. If I understand correctly, uh, Cornerstone uh, before this was a non-clinical agency, meaning that you do specific types of services aimed at stabilizing women and children coming from an abusive situation. I am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, yeah. It was a different level of uh, level of counseling, Rob. So with the clinical counseling, it, it's it's longer term, it's therapeutic. Um, it, it's a more intense level, I guess you you might say. And you know, um, specializing in in sort of second and third stage trauma treatment, which again is something that we hadn't in the past been able to do. So we're we're very excited about that. We were well poised. Uh, when the ministry approached us to say, um, you know, another organization, NCCC, was losing that funding, and were you interested, and did you have the capacity to take something like this on? I said absolutely, we did, um, and we were very poised to to take this on. So we went through a, a process, and we had to apply for the funding, um, and then we were really happy to hear that we did receive it, and we could keep it here at Cornerstone and also within Northumberland County. Yeah, I'd like to explore a little bit more about this new territory for, for Cornerstone. Um, I guess the question is, is, are there enough sufficient resources locally for this kind of clinical services? Like I understand these are more advanced type of services and, and therapists that do this kind of work require a different kind of infrastructure to do their jobs. And you started to allude to this, but I, yeah. in my understanding, um, there are things like clinical supervisors and peer support of these people. So yeah. that not not only do the patients get sufficient help, but the therapists themselves are, are getting the support because they are dealing with this trauma that you've been talking about. How are mm -hmm. you able to ensure that these infrastructure supports are available? Yeah, that's certainly something that came up in, in the vetting process with MCCSS. Uh, we are well poised to do that. The manager of uh, community services, Christina Colachico, has her master's in social work and is a registered social worker herself. Uh, she's got years of clinical experience. She worked at Forecast Addiction Services and within the health sector for a number of years. Um, so Christina has lots of experience. She's ready to take this on. And certainly something that we talked about too is, you know, if, if, if as we, you know, develop this program, because it's new and we were very clear with the ministry, we're going to get this right. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're setting up the process, the programs, the procedures, um, and ensure that, that we're going to be really successful, which I'm very confident we, we will be. And if, for example, the therapist decides that, you know, they needed more peer-to-peer -peer support or an outside clinical uh, supervisor, 
again, we're well positioned to do that. And that wouldn't be a stretch um, in terms of financial means in, in order to do that. So it's going to be a bit of a, a work in progress, Rob. But again, I, I, feel, I feel very, very confident that we are that we are set to administer this program. Our residential services manager also has a master's in counseling. So she can also piggyback with, with Christina. Uh, her name is Lucy Caldwell. And again, she's got her... Um, She's got her master's in counseling from Miguel. So we're well poised. Again, it's not my job to oversee programs, um, but I do know that our, our managers have the expertise and the willingness to do that. And they're very, very excited about this opportunity. So yeah, I think we're, we're well set to do this successfully for our community. Now, the way you described it to me, um, Cornerstone is becoming this one place where you can go in and you've described it as getting this multi-tiered system where there's an intake and then evaluation and then getting the services and wrapping it around the, yep. the women and the families, depending on what women are looking for. I mean, would somebody who maybe uh, isn't being threatened uh, in terms of finding a place to live, they might have the resources to get their yeah. own apartment, might have access to things. You're going to be the go-to now in our community for this kind of uh, trauma therapy. I think we've, well, we've always been, you know, poised as the Violence Against Women service in our community. Um, and we've taken the lead on that. Certainly, you know, community counseling is nothing new to us. We've done this for 37 years uh, throughout Northumberland County. Um, it's just looked different and we've evolved over over the years and you know reappointed people in different positions so this is nothing new to us we would typically i mean in the past rob we had one community counselor who was seeing all of northumberland county um and she would be seeing upwards of 300 women um so i don't think you know where we are or that we have a shelter attached to us is a deterrent for women at all um, we haven't found that. In fact, you know, the demand for our service has always been high um, ever since I can remember. Um, so I don't think that that's a deterrent at all. In fact, it's, you know, this idea of sort of services under one roof, I think, has a lot of benefit to women and children in our community. We know that transportation is an issue. Um, you know, they, they come here and they can receive multiple levels of services. And for some women, it's shelter, but most women that we serve are not shelter, right? The vast majority of our clients are not receiving shelter services. Um, shelter is specific to some people in with that need, but certainly by far, we see many, many more women and children in our other services. So we also, of course, receive family court, um, family court services through the Ministry of the Attorney General. So we have family court worker, we also um, recently in, in the summer when again, NCCC um, was no longer receiving uh, um, funding through MAG, Ministry of the Attorney General for the PAR program, we put in, um, we collaborated with NHH Community Mental Health uh, to, re to do that program together. And we were the successful applicant for that as well. So um, NHH Mental Health, their practitioners will be working with the, with the accused, with the offenders, and we'll be working with the victims and, and partners in, the, in that program. So we're really excited about that addition as well. And again, keeping those dollars locally, which is something that um, NHH, Jennifer Cox and I, uh, when we spoke, we were pretty uh, concerned about and committed to trying to keep those funds locally. 
You mentioned an acronym PAR. Could you just tell Sorry. us for those who don't know? Sorry, I know. Terrible. It's social services, we are famous for the, it's the Partner Assault Response Program. Okay. <laughs> um, so then how much money is the Ontario government providing you with at this time? Um, for, for which program? For the new programs that we were talking about today. Yeah, the clinical counseling and the um, child witness. It's about, I don't have the full figure, it's over 200,000. So the good news in that too, Rob, as you know, is it's annualized dollars. So, so again, for those of us who are not accountants, what does that mean? It means that we will receive, we can count on those funds as much as you can never count on funding, that we will receive it um, annually each year. So sometimes we receive what they call fiscal dollars. So it would only be for that one fiscal year. And then you don't know about those funds continuing. The good news in this funding, the super good news in this funding is, is we can count on that funding moving forward. So it's, it goes into the same sort of core pot that we get, right? So that we can hire people permanently, give them permanent jobs, which is always amazing. Um, and we can, again, as much as you ever can, rely on those funds to continue year after year. Because that was one of the things I wanted to ask you. Are, is there going to be any aspect of this that you, you're going to need to fundraise for additional dollars? Yeah, so the PAR, the Partner Salt Response Funds, that's being administered through NHH. So we will be paid through NHH for our working with the victims and the partners of the offenders in that program, Rob. So that's, that's, a, separate, that's a separate program and a separate pot of money. But again, one that we were um, we were excited to receive that and to strengthen our partnership with NHH Mental Health, which I think will be a really good thing. In terms then of financing, I mean, does this give you a more solid base of funding? Well, fundraising is never going to stop because certainly, you know, the money that we do receive from from the provincial government, we're very thankful for, but it doesn't meet the needs. Um, so we will always be fundraising. And part of our fundraising efforts is it's certainly the money because we need money to provide the services. But it's also about raising awareness, which you know, Rob, is really important to us. So as our profile grows, the, the issue of gender-based violence and family violence uh, continues to be in the forefront. And that's really important uh, for us that we continue to talk about it. So in our fundraising efforts, yes, there's the dollar, but there's also um, you know, the community engagement and the education piece that we uh, that we believe is is critically important and one of our one of our jobs to do. Well, since we're talking about fundraising, how did your walk a mile uh, event go this past weekend? It went really, really well. Um, we still have another event because we had to cancel last week. Um, it's um, an event in Port Hope with the Port Hope Police Services. So it was really fun on Saturday morning. I started my Saturday morning at the uh, fire fire hall and Coburg Fire and Coburg Police Services did this for really fun uh, obstacle course race, raise some money. And again, you know, we had we had local media there. So it the last two years, our walk mile obviously has looked differently, but we were really successful last year. We raised more money than we did in any other year. So it's our 14th annual. Um, this thing keeps growing and, you know, we did it sort of walk a mile your way. And on Saturday, I have to say, I, I kept my shirt on and I, uh, after the fire department uh, and police services race, I had to do some errands and there were a lot of people walking around with red shirts on. 
and shoes. So it was really quite fun to see. Some people went with a group of people. There were, you know, some really brave souls who were just walking on their own. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fun event. It's it's a lighthearted way to bring uh, spotlight to a serious issue. But again, one that I think has served our community well and has certainly always been a really successful fundraiser for us. So thanks for asking. Yeah, it's it's been a busy time at Cornerstone. Before that, we were um, we did the Smile Cookie campaign. We were um, the beneficiaries of Coburg and uh, Colburn, which was really successful. We had uh, we put out a call for volunteers, Rob, and I think we had more than 80 people step up and say, yeah, we want to help you with that week. So, you know, this community, I tell you, I've said it a lot of times, but um, I mean it with all of my heart. I can't believe how generous this community is. We, we do great things and we care about each other. And that's why I love it there. Uh, how much money did, was raised in the walk a mile and, and the cookies? We don't have tolls yet for the cookie. We don't have the totals yet for walk mile for this year. Um, last year it was more than fifty thousand, which is pretty, which is pretty amazing. Um, and you know we've got we've got guys and and young guys who who keep coming back year after year. We have sort of a cohort of guys who have done it for fourteen years. Next year, our fifteenth year, uh, Janelle and Carly who take care of our donor relations and community engagement, they keep telling me they've got wild and crazy ideas to celebrate our 15th year. So stay tuned. Uh, they always come up with really creative ways of, uh, of of doing things a little bit differently and engaging our community. So I'm excited about that. And again, just so grateful and thankful for uh, the people who continue to step up to support our work. It's amazing. I wanna take you back for a moment to something that you said earlier. Uh, you've mentioned now a couple of times about keeping money in the community. Uh, MPP David Puccini, when he uh, released the announcement about this funding, also made a point of saying that uh, keeping the money in the community was important. Can you explain why that keeps being mentioned? Um, the other, my understanding is the other um, applicant for the clinical counseling and child witness was a community um, counseling center in Peterborough. So they were going to be administering the funds. And my understanding is that there would be a satellite site here, um, but the funds would be administered through, through Peterborough. So we we knew that. That was my understanding anyways, Rob. Again, I haven't, you know, I haven't really well, pushed I think I think you're correct in that. I, I'm I'm aware that, that there was a, a request for proposals put out and uh, the 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 Northumberland Community Counseling Center, its sister organization in Peterborough. Uh, made application and then the idea was that they were going to keep all the people and the services and everything, but they were going to take over the bookkeeping and, and the administration. So I think you're correct when you, you're saying that, at least my research, yeah. that's what it tells me. So carry on, please. Yeah, so we just believed again, I mean, even if there was a satellite site here and we've seen that in other service agencies, um, service agencies that, you know, that serve Tri-County, Four-County, Five-County, uh, and, you know, Northumberland is, is included in that county-wide or, um, you know, other location approach. Sometimes uh, we don't always get the best service, to be perfectly honest, because you've got, you know, you've got competing, competing needs. And also, I really believe that, you know, we, the community knows us and we know the community here. 
This is where we're based. We don't provide services outside of Northumberland County. We have, you know, I believe we have really good relationships with our community partners, um, which again, I think is really important, right? We're sitting at the key tables of other service agencies that are making decisions for our community. So again, I saw that sort of, you know, that, that um, solid commitment to relationship building and true collaboration uh, that we've had over the years as a real benefit um, to providing these services and it, it be a seamless approach. And, you know, again, I think we've, we've built and worked hard at, at, you know, maintaining a solid reputation of professionalism, using the funds that they're intended for. Uh, we have good reporting relationships with our funders. So again, all of that, all of that hard work, I think, you know, paid off and we believe we had, um, that we were putting forward the best application. When we step back a bit and start to look at the, the mental health uh, context within Northumberland, um, the, the Northumberland Community Counseling Center, before it was closed down, was serving about a thousand people. And I've spoken to Jennifer Cox about this, and, and now I get an opportunity to speak to you. But between your agency and, and them, it, you've sort of been charged with taking over, it sounds to me, the services that were basically being provided by NCCC. Are we, are we covering all our bases? Yeah, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question, Rob. And certainly, you know, just for everyone to be very clear, we are receiving funding for violence against women. That's it. There's no mental health dollars. MCCSS never gave NCCC money for mental health. Mental health, um, you know, I know with NHH uh, mental health, they receive uh, health dollars. So where NCCC received their funding for mental health, I'm not exactly sure. Unless again, if it's trauma related for women and children who have been impacted by family violence. But we're very clear, we're not mission drifting here. If it's, if, if again, a mental health uh, diagnosis or, or challenge is a result of family violence or gender-based violence or sexual violence, that falls within our mission. It falls within the parameters of this funding. So there's NHH Community Mental Health, of course, and there's also Rebound Child and Youth Services that provides great clinical uh, counseling to children and youth as well. So I know that they're working directly with NHH at the, at the walk-in clinics twice a week. Um, it's something that Jennifer and I have talked about that perhaps, you know, once we get moving with our program and if we have the capacity to do that, that we would be interested in that collaboration as well, just to again, broaden our reach Rob and be where people need us. So that could be a possibility too. Is there enough, uh, you know, mental health services here? No, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think there is. Um, is there a quick and easy solution to this? No, uh, but I do believe that, you know, many of us are sitting around key tables trying to figure this out as well, right? How are we going to keep up with the demand? I mean, the demands are gonna be real high in schools as well for children and youth as they weather this pandemic uh, and, and for all of us. But again, I, I wanna be really clear that these dollars are violence against women dollars. And those were the only dollars that we put in an application for. I wonder too, if through this process, things are becoming clearer in the mind of the, of the public as to where they go to access service. 
And you, you alluded to, to this earlier about you know, your association with women and violence and, and helping families through this kind of thing. And you've talked a little bit, but I'd, I'd like you to expand on this. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think Cornerstone continues to want to be responsive to the needs in our community. And as those needs grow, and as there's opportunities for additional funding and keeping them within Northumberland County, uh, we will continue to look for those opportunities. Again, staying within our wheelhouse, we're not going to diversify so that, you know, we mission drift or any of that. We're not, we're not interested in that. I think we've always wanted to do what we do and do it really, really well. And that's, that's a position that we take. And certainly, you know, as new opportunities arise, Rob, you know, like, like affordable housing, we are, you know, we look for opportunities with private and public developers to have some, you know, allocated units for, for our clients. So that's something that we've been working on sort of behind the scenes in the last little while and, and we'll continue to. Uh, because we know, and you know, I mean, affordable housing is, is a critical issue. So might down the road be, you know, opportunities for us to do, to offer some transitional supportive housing. We hope so. Uh, we're entering into a strategic planning process right now. I know that that's something that the board of directors is talking about and that, you know, that we are all talking about as a staff team and a management team. So, you know, I don't have a ready solution right now, but is that something that Cornerstone might be looking at? Yeah. Um, because I think that that's really critically important. And I've talked to you before, Rob, about, you know, women and children coming into the shelter. And this isn't a new issue. This isn't a COVID issue. Uh, they've been coming into our shelter and they stay way too long because there's not affordable housing. And then we get bottlenecked and we can't serve the need. So, yeah, I think we just always want to remain quite fluid and adaptable and responsive to needs. And you and I have also talked, though, and, and maybe you could bring us up to date on just the demand for services. Yes, um, we did go through, we applied for some Ontario Trillium Foundation funding, and we did go through some renovations um, in the middle of this pandemic, uh, early in the spring. And we added three new bathrooms on. We, had, we were trying to sort of limit, you know, shared space as a result of COVID and knew that, you know, uh, limiting sharing space was was a good idea. So OTF was, uh, we were really thankful for the grant that we received from them. So we added bathrooms and we also re, redid our kitchen so that our cook has separate space from clients. Uh, because of course we're having to maintain just like everybody else, we wear masks all the time, clients wear masks, uh, staff have to wear goggles, face shields, uh, we have to distance. So, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we really didn't know what all of this was going to mean for us. And as I've spoken to you before, Rob, at the beginning is our phone lines went silent um, and people weren't reaching out. There was lots of uh, false ideas of, you know, when the prime minister said, go home and stay home, people took that literally. And we had women reaching out saying, I don't, you know, I want to leave, but I don't want to break the law. So we did some public education around that at the beginning of the pandemic. So as things have eased and certainly with the, with the vaccinations and, and those sorts of things, Rob, and as we just, you know, realize that we need to live our lives uh, with COVID, um, more and more people are reaching out to come into the shelter. So it's, it's been challenging a little bit because of course we can't have people sharing bedrooms 
anymore. We used to sometimes have single women, two people in a room. We can, we're not doing that right now. So we have had to limit space, which has been challenging and certainly something that I'm hearing from all of my colleagues across the province who I'm in regular contact with is um, it's, it's been challenging. Something that we know that, you know, again, I think we're bracing ourselves when we talk about mental health and trauma is I think there is going to be, you know, um, as we weather the storm, that impact of trauma, that impact of being isolated uh, in your house when a home isn't a safe place to be. I think we're going to see um, some some issues for for children and women and youth uh, as we continue to come out of this pandemic or through it or I don't even know what to call it anymore. It, it's fascinating to to think about how Cornerstone has evolved over time and and reflecting the complexity of issues for women who face violence and. You know, we don't see it anymore in, in such a, a narrow way. It, it, it truly has, has opened up into this multi-levels of service and different issues that go beyond just the violence and treating the immediate, uh, the immediate crisis and now looking at, at the larger. And it seems that, you know, as Cornerstone evolves, that's being reflected in the multiplicity of services and the areas in which you're expanding into and trying to advocate for because um, you know it's almost like you're you're trying to see it from start to finish rather than just you know one aspect of it. Have I seen that correctly? Yeah, I think that that's a great way of putting it, Rob. I think um, yeah, I, I I think we are getting better at that, right? I've always said that you know I've worked in this field for a really 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 long time. And I wasn't really sure of, of the future of, you know, violence against women agencies and what they were going to look like. And, you know, in, in talking to my colleagues and developing relationships across the province, what I am proud of is I think we're all doing this better. That I think that this is the pro the approach that, you know, most organizations are, are multi-tiered like us. Some aren't, um, but some have grown and been able to keep up with the demand and put the infrastructure in place in order to do that, Rob. And I think that that's something that uh, we've done quite well at, at Cornerstone. And you know, that's thanks to you know a great board of directors who have sometimes you know taken on some new challenges with me, but believed in what that vision was um, and took some leaps of faith. Right? Of uh, how are we going to ensure that we have the capacity to take on new programs? like the one that has just arrived at our doorstep. If we didn't have infrastructure to do that, that would have been pretty challenging. So again, we're sort of always, you know, you need to, you need to be in the here and now, but as leaders in this, in this field, you also have to be projecting forward, right? What can we anticipate in the next three to five years? So thankfully, I think we have some forward thinking uh, people within our organization and within our sector. Uh, that I'm able to bounce ideas around and I have, you know, great role models and uh, mentors that I've been able to, um, that I've been thankful to have. So that's really helped us grow and keep up with it. And sure, and most importantly with that growth, Rob, is we want to ensure that we're doing excellent service. So it's not just a matter of, you know, layering things on and layering things on. We want to make sure that we continue to do that in an excellent way and that we're accountable to our funders, to our donors, we're an accredited organization, which is a really big deal for a small nonprofit. 
um, and we'll be going through our third round of accreditation, which I'm happy to report. But again, it's sort of another, it's another layer of accountability that Cornerstone, um, you know, it, it's a core value for us is that is, is accountability. Nancy Johnson, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks so much, Rob, for having me. That was my interview with Nancy Johnson, the Executive Director of Cornerstone Family Violence Prevention Center. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.